Woo! Grace. Eric. You're alive. I am alive, made it through the weekend, and so did everybody else. We're here. Did you recover from your big slumber party? Recovered from the slumber party, still haven't unpacked everything, uh, but uh, almost there. Yeah. Good. Let's have a show. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Listen up. On this show, we are going to talk about van life. So let's take a drive on episode 25. I'm Eric Idiot Renner Kosek. And I'm Grace Hot Pants Langheim. Eric is all business in the front of the pack, and I am all about the party in the back. That's right. Business up front and party in the back. Together, we are the Running Mullet. And we are going to talk about every aspect of running, the podium to the DNF and everything in between. If you are a runner, this show is for you. Now sit back, get out your foam roller and enjoy the party. Happy birthday! Grace, we need to talk about something before we continue with this show. It's a... I want to address the elephant in the room, and that is my birthday. Now, I, as you can tell, I don't like to make a big spectacle of the fact that it's my birthday today. I mean, nobody knew, really. You didn't post about it. Mm-hmm. You didn't ask people specifically to make a big deal about your birthday. Right. We're not wearing a birthday hat right now. Yeah, it's not, it's not a big deal to me. I mean, I try to make that clear. Like, I, it's not mm-hmm. a thing. It's just another day, you know? That's right. This hat is just like every other running hat out there. I just happen to be wearing it today. You just wear it whenever, yeah. whenever yeah. you're feeling like wearing a, a birthday what looks like a dump cap with balloons on it. Yeah. Oh, so just so you know, like it's not, it's no big deal that today is my birthday. Yes. Yeah, I'm today, 43. Yeah. Today, August 21st, is it's- your birthday. Definitely shouldn't put it on the calendar for next year, every year to come. Precisely. Got it. Wait, don't don't you have a birthday soon? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't know why you, I was thinking you were August. Okay. Nope. Whatever. Anyway, let's talk about this huge event that went off this weekend. Everything I'm seeing on the, the book faces and gram Instagrams and things like that, people had a blast at your slope side some slumber party. You were almost able to say it. Good job. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it was, uh, I don't know that it was a huge event. It was a huge fun. It is growing into a bigger event. And um, it's so much fun. And it's interesting because it's such a mix of people. There are truly people who come and are are like, yeah, I just want to hike and I want a great challenge. And, And it is. And then there are people who are like, yeah, I want to go for the course record and I want a great challenge. And then and then they do it. And so um, afterwards or, and during it, I get people coming up to me and saying like, wow, that was that was an awesome challenge. You know, I I hiked it and I did two loops and I'm really proud of myself. I'm like, awesome. And then I get other um, runners who are like, man, that was that was a huge challenge. And I and I did 10 loops and they feel good about it. So whether you're going for a big distance and you're in the front of the pack or you're going for um, a shorter distance, but a lot of vert and you're in the back of the pack. I think equally people feel very accomplished uh, by the end of it. And, and I had some people who definitely made the comment, like, 
I, I was called a masochist many times. I think <laughs> I think the the better description for this race is uh, masochism in the in the veil of a party. So I try to make it a lot of fun, but it actually is it is pretty difficult. Um, it's only a mile and a half loop, so it's it makes you feel like oh that's that that should be easy enough, but it's um, a little less than a mile and a half loop, and some it depends on the watch. Um, that you get and who you ask, but somewhere between 500 and 600 feet a game for yeah, a I mean, mile. Uh, so it's it's a, a challenge. Yeah, I saw pictures of the hill. I don't know if I saw a video or what, but I mean, it, it looks hard. And to do it over and over on repeat, we all yeah. know what that's like. That gets really hard. Yeah. And so when I was at Eastern States at Aid Station 3, my what I feel um, is one of the accomplishments of the day was trying to convince Jim Blanford to come because Jim Blanford is the master of hill repeats. I mean, right. he lives right around the, the kind of Harrisburg, Hamburg area where the AT is. And there are quite a few climbs in that area. And that's what he does. Every Tuesday he does hill repeats and then several other days of the week. He just does hill repeats. He's the master of it. And so I saw him at Aid Station 3 at Eastern States, and I yelled at him. from. It was really packed, so I yelled at him, like, Jim, why don't you sign up for my race? <laughs> so I, I just the little nugget, and, yeah, he he showed up for race day registration, and he came and he crushed it with 12 loops. And, uh, yeah, so 12 loops. He ended up with uh, close to 7,000 feet of gain within um, three hours. Yeah, within three hours. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of gain in a very short period of time. I mean, it's um, it's right up there with races like Frozen Snot, but with different challenges. You know, it's in the heat instead of the cold, and and there's it's mostly grassy, um, but a lot of fun. We had uh, food and beverages and games, and um, there there's a lot. Of, it's a great spectator friendly events you can bring your friends and family and a lot of uh, a lot of people just kind of set I think people even like brought tables to set up <laughs> like a table and chairs and and just kind of hung out on the slope so it was uh, a super fun day i really loved it. eric ulibera took the uh women's first place also broke the course record with 10 loops um so it was uh uh, really cool to see everybody coming out. And there were a lot of people who came out when they were like, Hey, I did three loops last year. I did four this year. So heard a lot of that. It, it, it was probably the first day of the year where there was a little bit of a chill in the air. And I think that really allowed runners to go a little bit further because it, it wasn't quite as hot and sticky. It was a beautiful night though for it. Right. Yeah, it was a beautiful night. The spectators were, um, you know, I had I had my hoodie on and people had blankets. So spectators were a little more, uh, you could kind of put some, put your hoodie on and, and be cozy. So it wasn't freezing, but there was a little bit of a chill in the air. And then it's just a great view from the top of Round Top. Uh, that's the mountain. It is the highest point in York County. So it's a, it's really pretty view up there. And that's why I love doing it at night. If you're, if you're during the day, it's just not quite as cool up there. So it was pretty neat. Very nice. So you're going to let us know when the date's set for next year, when that yep, time yep. Comes? Yeah. Still working with our, um, event 
um, we, we do this at a ski resort, so it's round top mountain resort and they have been awesome to partner with just for the record. They've been amazing and we're still settling in on a date, but we are invited back. And so I, I try to be on my best behavior when I'm around them. Right. So that they'll let me come back. <laughs> and they did. And then I think the other big shout out that I have to do is to York Roadrunners Club because they finance the whole thing. <laughs> and, and I really couldn't do it um, without those two groups um, helping out. So I appreciate it. Excellent. All right. Well, before we get into the show, which we need to get moving on and introduce our guest, I want to um, do a drawing out of a hat. Now, this is for that beautiful picture I posted of you looking at your watch, okay? Um, for those that didn't see it, it's on the, the Run for Life group, I believe I posted it. It's uh, a very amazing picture of Grace staring at her watch at Eastern States. And I asked for some uh, a challenge of, of to come up with what she's saying, quotes, I guess. Uh, caption. Captain, and you. it was—it's quite the facial expression I'm making. So yeah, it's—it's a—it's a great photo. Like I almost want to get it framed for myself. <laughs> but I, what we did was I asked you what your favorite ones were because mm -hmm. I couldn't—I thought they were phenomenal so captions. So I got—I got pretty much what you had said is your favorite, and I'm going to pick a random one right now and give them a idiot runner koozie. Is was the was the promise? So I want to stick with that before we go any farther. Know your role and shut your mouth, Matt Gear. <laughs> and that was, I think that was you, the one that you said really uh, was ex what, what stood out in the moment of what you were trying to accomplish. Yeah, that. yeah I, I thought that one was probably the most uh, closest to what I was actually thinking in the moment. Exactly. <laughs> but, <laughs> Perfect. Uh, we've got some funny, funny people in the group. So it was a lot of fun. It was. So, yeah. hey, by the way, um, Hey, is today your birthday? Yeah, it is. August 21st, right? Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's August 21st. August okay. 21st is my birthday. Thanks for the reminder. I just wanted to make sure that I told you happy birthday. Oh, thanks, Grace. It's almost over, too. Gosh. Happy birthday to me. All right. What are we, uh, who do we have on tonight, Grace? We have on Laura Brenner. I am really excited to have her on. Uh, she's a phenomenal athlete. She has, um, Got some strong, strong finishes and difficult races like Heiner uh, 25K. I should have pulled up your ultra sign up ahead of time, Laura. But um, she's a, a strong athlete, strong mountain runner. She runs with the Conestoga Cowboys um, down here in uh, kind of the York-Lancaster area. She's done some tough races like Breakneck. Uh, several times and escarpment and whiteface and um, call of the wilds. Uh, so all of the mountainy stuff, Rothrock, and she's placed in really high in all of those. So uh, strong mountain runner, also a coach with Run 717 coaching. So we love that. And I thought we would have her on because Laura lives in a van down by the Susquehanna. Yeah, thank you for doing that because I am going to have a bad habit of saying that like several times throughout this episode. We had to get it out of the way. We had to get that joke out of the way, Laura. I'm going to bring you in. There we go. Hi, Laura. Hi, Hi Laura. How's it going? It's Great. good. And you're in your van, right? I am. Yeah. So <laughs> where, where are you currently living right now in the van? 
Um, we're currently parked. This is not very cool. I'm parked at a, a high school in York. Um, but I just finished a bike ride. <laughs> so <laughs> we're, we're kind of remote here. Um, but I spent a lot of time in Lancaster this year for a number of reasons. One being I got a new van. Uh, so I started this like three years ago in essentially an old contractor's van, like an Econoline with a low roof. And you had to like hunch over, couldn't stand up. Um, but this year I finally realized that it was something I wanted to stick with. And so I upgraded to a van I can stand all the way up in, which is great. Um, but yeah, we spent a lot of time at home recently. Yeah. And I think that was one of the things that got me thinking about having you on the show is because you had posted your van for sale and a lot of people were like, oh my goodness, are you, are you settling in? You're done with van life. And you're like, no, 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 no. I just upgraded. And so you've been living in a van for what, two years now? Um, probably, yeah, two, two and a half-ish. Okay. All right. So, I mean, let's start from the beginning. What made you decide to move into a van? I get this question a lot. And every time I get it, I'm like, man, I really need a better elevator speech for it. Um, but it's something that I was interested in for a very long time before I knew it existed. Like a non-traditional lifestyle always appealed to me, I think because I have such a traditional background and like I was told that like a traditional life was safe, but I always was like, wouldn't this be interesting? Uh, and finally during COVID working from home for so long, I realized that my job could be done remotely. Um, my, right before COVID my mom had breast cancer. And so that was kind of a little bit of a wake up call of like, you have to live every day. And, you know, I realized at that point, like she wasn't guaranteed a retirement to do all the things she had talked about doing. Um, and so I, I, I had a neighbor for moral support who was really into the idea too. Um, I just pulled the trigger on a van then and figured out the rest later, honestly. Good. Now, do you, did you know anybody who was living in a van? I know it's been a real crash course. Along the way, I've met like a few folks and made some friends, um, but like moving into a van, quitting my job, like finding my own work is like, I did it without, I mean, I have a safety net, but like I did it without really putting a lot of thought into it and like how sustainable it was going to be. Um, and it's just, I feel really lucky. And I think it's maybe a testament to like me being good at what I do and being flexible and being able to live small, which is a really big part of it. Um, I don't earn a ton of money, but I'm able to live like small enough that it works. Wow. I mean, I know some people who live in vans, but I don't think it's by choice. So, <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Right. I mean, let's talk about like I've always dreamed about my wife and I have always dreamed about it. And we still might do that type of thing once our kids go off to college and live out of a van and, and explore the country. But are there any what are the biggest challenges that you didn't anticipate, I guess, would be my question. Is, is there one big one that's like, oh, shit, I didn't think of that before I wanted to have all this fun or. Yeah. I would say the thing I was least prepared for, and it, it still affects me now, not to the extent it did on my first like trip in the van. So I guess the very first thing is like decide whether or not you want to take the time to build out your own van, because that in and of itself is its own adventure. It took me three times as long as I thought it was going to be. Right. Um, I'm thankful for the experience, but I don't think I would do it again. <laughs> um, the, the toughest part for me tra traveling is like 
by nature of being a solo female traveler is mm -hmm. decision fatigue. And with that, like personal safety, um, mm -hmm. never, I've never been in a situation where I was like felt under duress, but just constantly being aware of how I'm presenting to other people or trying to hide uh, the way I present from other people, um, picking like smart spots so I don't become one of those stories or put myself in a situation. Um, on my first trip, I went to Maine for like three or four weeks just to kind of test everything out. And it was like, it was a mental hurdle to, okay, well, what am I going to do today? When you can do anything, it's like decision paralysis. Um, what am I going to do? Where am I going to park? Can I leave the dog in the van? Um, am I allowed to like sleep on the street overnight? Is somebody going to knock on my window? Is this like a seedy area? You want to be like kind of secluded and not, you know, seen by, you know, people who, uh, like this sounds crappy like the police right like you don't want them to come knock on your window and tell you to move but you don't want to be like so secluded from civilization that like some other nefarious being can come knock on your door um so that like balance knowing where to run every day especially trail running in like weird areas is stressful sometimes um so i you know a lot of times i run on the road more than i want to um so i don't know if that like plays into couples traveling or people who have a partner to travel with but being alone in the van that's like that was the hardest yeah. hurdle to like get used to. And that's interesting because one of the things that um, we'll talk about, we'll go into more detail about it in just a minute is um, um, I thought it, it would be a cool talk, topic to talk about uh, how to run with your dog and, and those challenges. Um, but living in a van and, you know, um, you know, it's a little, I think, I, I think it's, you know, in some ways there are some similar challenges for men and women, but there are some different ones for women. And so having a dog with you, I'm sure poses challenges with the van, um, but also it can be a benefit in some safety yeah. and just <laughs> I joke. security. Absolutely. I mean, just having another living being in the van is comforting a lot of the time. And I joke that Piper's a great uh, alarm system, but she's no security system. <laughs> so she'll she'll let me know if something makes a weird noise outside, but she's not gonna back up that bark with anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But it is nice to to have her and to think that like some people are afraid of dogs and wouldn't even you know bother with a van that they saw a dog was in. Um, but yeah, it's, it definitely comes with challenges, like you said too. Yeah. And one of the, uh, we got questions already coming into the chat, which I'm excited about. Definitely everybody <laughs> post your questions. I have so many. Um, so this one speaks to me. Um, <laughs> I love the idea about how do you deal with all your running gear, specifically dirty and sweaty gear. I'd have to go to a laundromat every other day. I, like my car smells all the time. <laughs> and that's just, that's not even close to what you have to deal with. Yeah. Um, I think there's a small chance I've gone nose blind. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> well, especially you consider I'm like wet, stinky, whatever from running. I have a dog that's generally stinky and loves to roll in stinky things. Um, so it's, yeah, I, my, all my dirty clothes go in like a roll top bag from, um, doesn't matter. Um, but it's like, it's not waterproof, but it has this layer in it so that the odor doesn't permeate. But if you stick your nose in that bag, you might pass out. <laughs> um, all the shoes are like tucked away in the back. Um, and every once in a while, if it's been really soggy, I'll like unload my van into a parking lot and let the sun just dry out everything and help take mm -hmm. care of that. But yeah, it's 
when it's raining for like even a day, but for two or three days, I was in New Hampshire this summer and it rained for like two, yeah, two or three days. And it was, that's exactly what I did. Just unpack the van in the parking lot. It was so like, everything was clammy and damp and smelly. <laughs> and you can only have so many pairs of shoes. I mean, I probably have 30, 40 pair of running oh, no, shoes. No. How many do you get to have? I have. You get to have. Yeah. <laughs> I probably have eight to ten at any given time. Oh, I'm somewhere in that range right now. That's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to be really judicious uh, about what choices you're making and, and how long you're running in the same pair. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. That's rough. So do you feel <laughs> like you have this van thing down to a T at this point, or is it, is it a constant... Uh, ebb and flow, not like, you know, constantly trying to figure things out and do things differently? Um, definitely, it's an ever evolving process. I mean, even I've had this van now since April, and I'm still like, is this really the best place for this? Like, I'm always climbing over this other thing to get to the thing that I need. So I'm still kind of working with where to store things and what's the best way to store things. Um, and like, travel structure is an interesting challenge. I'm planning a trip out west. And so I'm trying to think, I'm trying to plan ahead more this time. When I don't plan ahead, I think that's when I have the decision paralysis. So I'm trying to like plan mm -hmm. stops along the way instead of trying to make real-time decisions, which helps. Um, so yeah, I'm just still kind of learning and honing the process that works best for me that's like least stressful um, and most fun, really. And do you, do you have a storage shed? Like, do you have another place to keep it, uh, stuff? I do have some bins in my parents' basement. Like more shoes, <laughs> right? It's honestly like my backpacking and like camping stuff that yeah, I, okay. I don't usually need while I'm in the van. That's usually uh -huh. a separate kind of trip. Um, but I actually, I've dwindled my stuff down to a, a pretty good point. I feel like I need to do a little more because I'd love to get that stuff out of their basement and have everything in the van. Nice. How do you decide... I mean, with without the constraints, without certain constraints, I mean, it really opens up your race schedule. How do you decide what you're going to race? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's been probably the most fun part of being in the van is being able to go anywhere and make it work. Like I saw this race in Utah and it looked really fun. And I think there's going to be some great competition. And I was like, why not go to Utah? Like, what else am I doing? Um, and so I'm lucky enough too to be able to go out early, train on the course, like go maybe spend a week and a half somewhere at altitude ahead of time. Like it's a it's a huge training benefit in that sense, um, which was part of the allure. Um, so I'm usually looking for races that are going to bring like a high level of competition. I really enjoy uh competing against people who are like really, really good at what they do and seeing how my training stacks up to theirs since my training is just me like kind of making it up. Um, so I like to use it as ways to like pull information and tweak different things about the way I'm training to kind of compete at that level um, and see, can be able to compare apples to apples on the same course. Um, and then other races are just like, I've always wanted to go to that area or I've always wanted to do this race. I've heard about it. People have suggested it. A friend of mine just keeps telling me that I have to do, I think it's Seven Sisters. Is it in Massachusetts or New Hampshire? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's going to be on my list next year. And I don't know anything about it other than he's like, you have to come do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can see from your race results that you don't pick 
you don't pick simple, easy races. I mean, white face, <laughs> you got some tough ones. Yeah. Right? The USATF races have been really fun. I mean, that's mm -hmm. been my, like, once I discovered that last year with white face, I was like, this is sick. I want to do more of this. I think the the uh, women's field, especially on the East Coast, is really um, dense. Um, whereas I think with the men's side, and I could be wrong on this, but it just seems like with the men's side, they tend to move out West or come for out, from out West. Whereas there seems to be more really strong competition on the East and the West in the women's field. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, breakneck this year was an incredible mix of mm -hmm. folks from all over the country competing. Um, yeah. And it was awesome to see everyone. And like, I mean, I think, I don't know about other runners. Uh, I sometimes have this like false chip on my shoulder about being an East coast runner and we can like deal with the rocks and the roots and it's like more technical than like the, um, you know, West coast or like central stuff. But like those folks came over and it was a super tough course, like really mm. gnarly and they crushed it. And it's just super fun to see like how people like that tackle a technical East coast course. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been a lot of fun to see just the, the women's field in general in the past, you know, few years. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's getting rough out there. All right. Back to the van stuff, Grace. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, Ben Mazur wants to know the the van you're in now. Did you build that one yourself, or did was that one already uh, prefab? This is kind of a hybrid. So okay. I worked with a, a builder in North Carolina. He wanted to kind of get out of his shop 40, 60 hours a week and start doing more fun things for himself. So he wanted to try doing kits. So I, I worked with him. He did like the framing and insulation, electrical, um, maybe a few other things. And then he pre-cut like all the furniture, all the interior stuff and like packaged it with hardware and stuff. I went down to pick it up, hauled all the, like, I call it like an Ikea build. Like I hauled all that home um, and then, you know, put it all together, finished it, built it out like in the van. Um, and then the only thing that was left for me to do was plumbing, um, installing like appliances. Like I have a cooktop, a refrigerator, a faucet, um, but pretty much everything else was, was kind of much simpler than the first time because he did all the like weird angles and curbs when he was cutting the cabinetry. Um, right. so it, it was knowing what a full build takes, having done it the first time, this was absolutely the right choice. <laughs> now, is that a sprinter or like an eco line? This is a Ram pro master okay. so Dodge. Cool. Yeah. Now, is there a potty in there or not? <laughs> um, usually when people ask, I, I give them the honest truth. So I have a glass jar that I use for number ones and I have an emergency system for number twos. I have like wag bags and a five gallon bucket. Um, but for the most part, I'm pretty good at like finding gas stations or like roadside porta potties or trailheads or, or, you know, buying a Starbucks uh, yep. to use the bathroom. Yeah, I mean, I heard I was they were talking, you know, this is all the rate, the rage of the past couple of years, especially with COVID and stuff, obviously, and trail runners, you know, everybody wants to live out of a van. And it sounds, it sounds amazing when you're not doing it, I guess. It's, but, you know, right <laughs> off the bat, it, it sounds like the greatest thing in the world. And I'm yeah. sure it is. But I, I was watching something on the television, and they were saying how, you know, public spaces to park are getting tighter and, uh, you know, people are starting to care more and know what's going on and, and be more of a hassle when it comes to 
letting you park in certain places and even the public bathrooms for that matter, it's starting to become a lot uh, more closed off than it ever used to be. Do you find that ever a problem? Yes. I would say statistically, the United States has the least number of public restrooms per capita than any country, including several African countries. Wow. Uh, so it's often hard to find a tr like a true public restroom. I can go into a store and, you know, like I said, buy a coffee, whatever, go into a gas station. Yeah. Um, but finding public restrooms is nearly impossible. Um, I will say I talked about like the kind of the tough side of being a solo female traveler. I think the upside is like most people don't assume I'm like a vagrant or have nefarious intent because I look like this. I'm this person in this package. Um, and so I think I probably get away with staying in more places than some people might. Um, I don't make I don't make most other people uncomfortable, which is what it is. Um, but I think I do get away with like staying in cities more or like staying in residential areas. Nice. Now for the record, Eric, I would say that it sounds like a dream to some people, but if you grew up in a trailer, that sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Because uh, yeah, when you, when you grow up in tiny spaces and then all these people are like, let's live in a tiny home. I'm like, and then, I grew up in tiny homes and trailers and apartments. And I, I do. I never want to go back. I want you did it four thousand cool. feet of space just for myself. Thank you very much. Although, though, I um, I, I think one of the cool things that I do find interesting about it is kind of this um, push or uh, not necessarily a desire, but kind of this underlying message of hey how can i reduce things from my life yeah and truly just purchase things that are going to be useful to me and i was wondering if you might just talk about that concept and what yeah. you've learned from it or not learned from it and and what other people might be able to take from it especially like race directors with swag i i don't know uh, there's a lot yeah. to it it's that's a huge thing um i mean when I first decided I was moving into the van and started culling everything in my life, um, it was hard because you like create sentimental attachment to things, whatever, whatever. Um, but I think the more you do it, it's, I guess it's like a muscle, like the more you do it, the better you get at it. And the less attachment you have to like arbitrary things um, to the point, right? Like now the other day I had some race medals in here from stuff earlier this year, breakneck, which I was super stoked about to like, cool races that I want to like remember and I was like I can't these are heavy they like clank around what am I going to do with them I just throw them away like I did the race I was there I remember it um yeah a lot of times I won't take things from races I feel weird it's like a double-edged sword I feel weird about being like oh no thank you I don't care about what you've gotten us but at the same time like I <laughs> it, it feels I'm sure they just throw it away but at least I didn't have to do it <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, but there's a lot of times where I'm like, oh, no, thanks. I'm not going to take that. Um, race shirts. I can't. What am I going to do with another cotton T-shirt? I don't know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they end up they get put into the rotation for a little while. And sometimes they become farm shirts or they become like, I don't know, towels. <laughs> but uh, yeah, culling, culling the, the goods gets easier the more you do it. It makes me more judicious about what I buy. Um, mm -hmm. not just, 
quantity of things, but quality, something that's going to last me a long time. Mm. And, and I'm not going to like have to get repaired or have to like replace in a year or two. Um, it's been great for that. Wow, man, goals. I'll get there one day. I'm going to get rid of stuff. <laughs> Starting with it's, that. I said the van has to have perfect entropy. Like if a pair of shoes comes in, a pair has to go out. If a pair yeah. of like running shorts comes in, I have to get rid of another pair. Like there's only so much space. And so that's that's how I justify making a new purchase. It's like, okay, what am I willing to get rid of to bring this thing in? And if I don't have anything mm -hmm. that I like less than this new thing, then I'm not getting it. Yeah. Um, Game. I like it. Yep. I like it. <laughs> uh so we could keep going on about van life, but I, I do want to have some time. Do you have other questions about van life, Eric? Because I, I want to have time to talk about job life. No, I'm, I'm, you know, I might reach out to you at some point if we get any more serious about doing the van life. It's uh, it's interesting. And it's, again, it seems to be a, a growing thing people want to do and uh, yeah. different levels. It, it might be shrinking a little bit. I don't know if you stalk van life trader like I do, uh, yeah. but the market was, turning down a little bit over the summer though it might be coming back up but mm. you're probably coming in at a good time if you're interested interesting there we go well thank you that's uh it's it's interesting it's definitely uh something you got to think about every move you make literally and uh <laughs> what you're doing i want my yeah. third home to be a van there you go yeah i want to have like a house and then I want a cabin and then third house is a van a vacation yeah, van. You're one of those bougie campers that needs a, like one of those giant motorhomes, is what you're saying, right, Grace? No, not necessarily. No. I, not not that I'm looking for bougie, just that um, I I want to not be traumatized by my childhood. That's all. I want a house that, <laughs> that, that doesn't move when I walk. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I got out of. I worked very hard to get out of poverty in a for a reason, and I don't want to go back to it. But I think having a second home as a as a van would be super fun. Hey, minimalism is not poverty. That's a big. That's oh, definitely, that's, and that's why I asked that question. I think that's pretty cool. To, yeah. Just trying to like reduce the amount of things. Right. Yeah. I think everybody needs to reduce the amount of things. Yeah, but if I if I move into a tiny home ever, I might like I might repress back to my childhood and I don't want to do that. So okay. it's just, it's just a personal thing. <laughs> All right. Let's make the big jump over then to pups, pups dog um, etiquette. And we're talking dog etiquette just on the trails or in life in general. Yeah, I, I think both. And I, you know, Laura, you and I talked about this a little bit and I, I'm, I was really interested in having you on about this because I think that you do such a great job with your dog. And um, there's there's some emotional points of view about dogs on trails, dogs at races, dogs running. And um, so get us started and just tell us a little bit about your dog. I know, I wish I had her to like display here as I'm talking about her, um, but I don't. <laughs> Um, she is an 11 year old hound mix. She's about 32 pounds. We had her weighed today. Um, she was at the vet. She has a little cut on her eye that got infected because she's always like in the weeds looking for vermin as hounds do. Um, so, and I've had her just about her entire life. She was like a few months old when we got her. Um, 
And so she's been an awesome, awesome partner. Um, I didn't really find running right away with her. Um, I think I ran kind of casually when she was a puppy. And so she didn't run with me a lot then. And she didn't get into it probably to like midlife for her, you know, four, five, six. Um, but she loves it. Like, I don't, I'm sure other dogs love running and I'm not thinking, like, I've never had another dog that loves running as much as this dog loves running with me. Um, and hiking, she just like loses her mind when I like grab the leash and a poop bag. Mm-hmm. So does Eric, if you grab the leash and a poop bag. He's, just, <laughs> he's ready to go. No, it's a dog thing. I mean, our dog is the same way. Our dog just yeah. lives to run at this yeah. point. Eric, yeah, what, what, tell us about your dog. I have a German Shore Pointer, which is a very active dog, bird hunting dog, and uh, they just love being outside and running. So you need to exercise them. Yeah. And still young, right? Yeah, he's only just over two. Yeah. I do not have a dog. I used to have one. I didn't grow up with dogs because my mom, we traveled a lot, and my mom said it's uh, mean to have a dog if you're not going to be home. So I did not grow up with dogs, but I did have a pit bull for a while. And when she was little, she was stuck in, she got caught in a trailer in a, in a fire uh, with other dogs. And so when, after that moment, then she was very scared of other dogs. And we had a hard time with her when we would go, when we would walk her, especially when there were other people who did not leash their dogs. We leashed our dog and it was not her fault that she had a big powerful jaw um, and she would get scared around other dogs. And I always struggle with that when, when I, um, you know, when I would see people, we passed by a house. I remember one time and the house, somebody had their dog out in their yard, not leashed, no fence, no nothing. And they're like, oh, our dog's friendly. And I'm like, my dog is not. My dog is scared. Please <laughs> don't do this to us. So we really struggled with that. And um, I think that's another perspective, right? So if even if your dog is friendly, it doesn't mean that the other dog is friendly. And yeah. not all two dogs want to meet each other. So I had a pit bull. Yeah. She was only 35 pounds. She was a tiny little thing, scared of cats. <laughs> and but she took direction well from cats and then she was dog aggressive but she was not people aggressive so we literally her my niece would color her face because she had a white face would color her face purple totally fine with kids completely <laughs> fine with kids um but really scared of dogs and so from my personal experience, I've, I've had that hard time with, um, you know, people following dog etiquette. So, you know, dog etiquette really well. Tell us what are you supposed to do out on the trails and parks and all those things? Because yeah. it's different depending on where you go. It is. And there are some places um, I sh you guys probably use all trails and it usually tells you on there like dogs are allowed but must be on a leash. And that's most places. Dogs are allowed but must be on a leash is like the which just that's your baseline assumption of whenever you're taking your dog somewhere, that's what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. um, there are a few places where they're really like permitted off leash. Um, and again, it'll usually say that, or you can do some research and find out. Um, I think in both cases, the problem with dogs off leash is recall. So I've met dogs while running and hiking that like 
they're coming the opposite direction from me down trail. As soon as they see me, they spin around, they're back to their people. They've been like conditioned that that's what they do when they see something that's, you know, moving on trail, whether it's me, my dog, a deer, whatever it is, they go back to mom and dad. Like in those, in that scenario, those people have spent the time or the money have trained to their dog. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to go back to mom and dad. They're going to put it on a leash or it's going to sit right next to them while my dog and I leashed up, go past, no muss, no fuss. The problem is when, like you said, folks are like, oh, he's friendly as he's like barreling at 90 miles an hour towards you. And Piper is the same way, not sounding like she didn't have like a traumatic experience, but like when a dog comes at her that fast, she's like, this thing wants to kill me. I'm very small. Other things want Mm -hmm. to eat me. (laughs) Um, So she kind of panics and we're working through it, but it's so frustrating when that happens. Um, And it's, if you, if your dog is well-trained, it can be off leash. Like I don't have a problem with that, but most of the time, a solid 95% of the time, the dogs I encounter are not well-trained and don't have good enough recall to really be off leash in a place where there's going to be other people or dogs. Yeah. I didn't know that's what it was called. Recall. Sure. I mean, I think the biggest, the hardest thing people don't understand, and I I struggle with it too, is I I always have to put myself in other people's shoes also. You know, I, now I, I don't live, I live up in the sticks. So, you know, we have 25,000 acres of state game lands across the road from us with trails on them. And we, Becky and I rarely see another person when we go for a run on a Saturday and my dog is off leash and, you know, running for 20 miles, but we'll come around bend and there happens to be one hiker on mid-state trail, you know, that first person we've seen in six months, you know, I feel bad because my dog surprises them. He's excited to see them, but they don't know him. And, Mm -hmm. and it's hard because I know, like, I guess I should have had more control of them at that time. I just didn't know there was going to be somebody there. So it's all circumstantial. We, Obviously, we we go for runs on our local roads around here, and there's every once in a while, a random dog will just come out. Just recently, a, a dog, two dogs came out of the yard and chased my dog, his name's Goose, down the road for about a half a mile. And he's he's not dominant. He you know he won't he wasn't gonna stand up um, you know protect right. Becky today. He was protecting himself at that point. These are bigger dogs. And they chased him down the road and Becky finally got a hold of him. And the guy comes with his truck and says, he's sorry. Yeah, I know you're sorry, but it's too late for that type of thing. Yeah. You know, like you didn't, yeah. there was no, there was zero recall. <laughs> they yeah. they just know a thing that that owner said. Um, so it's, it's hard, but I always try to be like, okay, I, you know, there's some times that I'm that person like crap. I didn't mean to be, I, I hate that I'm that person. I didn't want to be. And it's just situational. It happened. Right. Yeah. And I, like you're, it is tough because it sounds you're like me, like a dog lover. If a dog ran up to you, you would probably have the like ability to sense it's like emotion. And is this dog angry or excited? Right. Um, but not, I know a lot of people who are afraid of dogs have had those bad experiences or just simply don't know dogs and have no idea what the dog's mood is as it's approaching them. Um, but it, yeah, so it's hard to put yourself in someone else's shoes and think like, even if my dog's wagging its tail and, you know, jittery and looking happy, like not everyone understands what that means. And um, yeah, it's, it's tough. It is an emotional topic. You know, people want to be able to to have their dogs off leash and let them run around. And, yeah. you know, 
I, I'm dog friendly. So when I encounter other people with dogs off leash, I, I try to call out as far away from them. You know, once I see them just one, so the owner knows I'm there and two, to gauge the dog's reaction to knowing I'm there before I'm like too close to do anything about it. Um, and just see then what the owner decides to do. If they know I'm there and they leash up great. And if they know I'm there and they're like, Oh, he's friendly. Um, and I'm by myself. That's one thing. Uh, if I'm with my dog, my mom's dog is the same way as yours, Grace, like not dog friendly. Uh, and so if I'm out with her, I'll say, okay, we're not like, can you, you know, restrain your dog as we come through? Mm -hmm. So it is like, it's a bit of a dance, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that I will do as a runner, um, and I think this is the right thing to do is, um, when I, when I encounter a dog that's off leash, I will try to stop running and just walk for a yeah. little bit because oh, I'm yeah. if it, like, I don't know if, if they're going to out, out to the road. That's what I do. Yeah. Cause otherwise they think it's, they might think it's a game. You're, you look like prey to them, right? You're like running from them. They're going to chase you. Even yeah. if it's the, a game, um, I always stop and yell you know, like the way I would yell if it was my dog, like go home, but in like my biggest, <laughs> meanest voice. <laughs> um, and sometimes that's enough to get them to be like, oh, am I, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Like this person sounds, and sometimes they'll run right through that. I have had to pepper spray a dog in Florida. Oh. Yeah, Florida man does not believe in leashes. <laughs> and, uh, I had a bad in interaction there. Um, but usually the stopping and yelling for them to go home and then kind of like, backwards walking until I'm far enough away that they don't feel like I'm a threat to their property has saved mm -hmm. me. Yeah. Yeah. I had an experience I was doing, I was, it was during COVID and there was like the self-supported hundred K and thankfully my friend Angie was with me because she's like, you know, the dog whisperer and I'm, I'm just not real comfortable around dogs. I had one dog and I was comfortable mm -hmm. with her, but like, that was about it. It's, um, I've, I've seen people make posts before where they're like, if you're not a dog lover, you're a terrible human being. I'm like, I'm just not comfortable around them. Right. I didn't grow up around them. It's not my fault. It's a, it is a deficiency of mine, but <laughs> thankfully Angie was with me. There were these like three dogs came from a yard, like barreling down. And she, she did that thing where she got really assertive with them. And, and I may have DNF the race that day had she not been with me because I just get scared and, and I get, yeah. um, I like, I freeze up and I don't know what to do. And um, uh, that's, it's good advice. I need to make sure that I do it. And I'm, I'm really bad about not really bringing pepper spray because I'm probably too trusting, but that's a good reason I think to bring, to bring something is in on the off chance, which most dogs are, are not going to hurt you, but uh, there are on occasion dogs who are in some unfortunate situations, you know, they, they may have been raised uh, in a tough situation and, and they, they don't mean to, but that they end up being violent. And, and so yeah. having pepper spray can be helpful. Oh. Yeah. And the, the sad part is it, and there's memes out there and it's kind of made fun of, but it's, it happens too often where, the last thing person hears is don't worry. He's friendly Yeah. or the dog literally attacks the dog, other dog or human. You know, mm. it, it happens all the time. You hear about it all the time. And that's, I mean, Laura, you said, said that quote about three times already. Oh, he's friendly. 
I've heard it so many times, like shut your mouth and get your aggressive dog back in your yard now because the road is public. You know, for me, that's when I see most of these dogs is on our road mm -hmm. run because we don't have county parks and things like that, that close. That's not what I run on, but it's like, no, I, you know, like you're saying, if a dog's wagging its tail, coming, walking up to you, panting, you know, it's just wants to give you hugs and kisses, but you know, we all, we know what an aggressive, what aggressive means. And, and, and you're sitting there at your front door saying, Oh, don't worry. He's friendly. Gah, you know? Yeah. Especially yeah. if I have my dog with me, you just never know what that interaction is going to be like. That's, right. that's my most stressful. Like I've run through that scenario in my head a dozen times. Like a large dog comes out to us in a kind of an aggressive stance. Like, what am I doing? Am I like keeping my dog close to me and trying to defend her like close? Am I like unclipping her and trying to tackle the other dog so she can get away? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> I've run through all these scenarios to try and protect her. And I don't know. I mean, it'll be so situational, but it, that's yeah. the most terrifying yeah. idea. And I have a, what I see more, and this is the interesting part, I think, um, Eric, about you you being in Northern PA, down here in Southern PA, um, you know, John had said, I run in a county park, it's busy on weekends and nice weather days, leash rolls are in effect, but 50% of the people take their dogs off or don't have one because their dog is quote unquote nice. And that Southern Pennsylvania, we just have a higher uh, population density down here. And that's where I see it is in county parks where there are leash laws in effect. I think if there's not leash laws in effect, then you should anticipate that you might see a dog who's off leash and that's fine. Yeah. But, you know, some of these county parks, I'm like, it, it's Rocky Ridge. There's people there all the time. What are you doing? There's dogs here all the time. Why? Why are you doing? <laughs> I don't I guess I just don't understand it um, because that why take that chance i guess and yeah yeah i think maybe nothing bad has happened yet yeah is maybe what they're thinking is yeah. um, but again like you can't guarantee i spent a lot of time with animals and i've seen mostly like horses when i was a kid and i've like they can get along with every horse but one and you yeah. like put those two in a field together and it's like what happened yeah um so you just never know yeah, it's like you put me and Eric together and like, oh man, it's just <laughs> no, exactly. you do that. It's bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate you talking about that subject. Like I said, it can be a passionate subject. Um, but I do think that it's good to talk about a little bit of that dog etiquette, you know, following the leash laws, knowing what the leash laws are. Um, being I mean, I think you spoke well to it, which is being prepared. What am I gonna do in that scenario? Because yeah. we inevitably end up in it. And then to the best of our abilities, you know, following those laws ourselves. So, yeah, I think the big, I mean, for me, I, the biggest thing I have to remember is not everybody is a dog lover. Yeah. <sighs> and it's, um, and you're right. You always have to look at, consider the, the two, how the two dogs are, if there's two dogs, how they're going to interact. But I'm, I'm, for me, most of the time, it's the interaction with the person, my dog, all he wants to is to love, but they don't know that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's tough. Yeah. And I think, you know, to that other point of dog human interaction can be very different than dog dog interaction where, yeah. you know, my, my dog that I had, she was great around humans. Um, mm -hmm. But dog dog interaction was just really stressful for her. And um, uh, it wasn't good. That's okay. 
Well, thanks for bringing us down, Grace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Eric. Thanks, Grace. <laughs> hey, um, so the other thing that I wanted to do is talk really quick. Um, you are a coach under Run 717 Coaching with the awesome Brenda Hodge. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit because you mentioned that you work in your van and you're also a writer. So tell us about what you do and how amazing you are as a coach. <laughs> um, yeah, so you wouldn't know this because it's like still transitioning happening, but I'm actually leaving Run 717 to go out on my own in coaching um, and um, really focus more on trail runners. Um, so Brenda is like a marathon fanatic. She's incredible at the marathon. She's a really strong road runner um, and she trains really strong road runners. Like her Boston uh, crew that she has going up every year is wild. Um, so I'm... I think just to emphasize that um, she placed what second at Boston in the master's division. Yeah. Yeah. Like went yeah. to the award ceremony cool. with, you know, Desi and Shalane and all the names. Yeah. I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. So on the roadside, um, she's killing it and great that yeah. you were able to learn from her for a bit. Yes, absolutely. She really took me under her wing when I first started coaching and kind of showed me how it's done. Um, but she like, doesn't have that trail background, trail experience. Um, and so I'm excited to kind of restart uh, coaching under my own brand and really focus on trail running and mountain running. Um, and it's been, so coaching generally has been really fun. It's, um, I've coached myself forever. Um, I'm too poor to hire a coach. So I've coached myself and I've learned a lot from reading and, and seeing workouts that other folks do and, um, you know, listening to podcasts where they interview uh, better runners than me. Um, and so it's been really fun to kind of tweak my own training programs. And so when I take that to other folks and they share their, you know, big, hairy, scary goals with me and, and we figure out a plan to get them there, um, it's super fun to see other people succeed. Um, so it's very gratifying for me and it's fun to meet other runners. Yeah. I like, I like the, the trail community around here. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Even Eric. No. <laughs> awesome. And then you, you do some writing as well, right? I do. My like full-time job is um, doing like marketing consulting and freelance writing. Wow. Who do you, who do you get to write for? Um, so I work mainly with two brands of a, a guiding a hiking guiding company out of the Boston area. They guide hikes in the White Mountains. They do like overnight treks. They do some youth programming. He's a super dynamic guy. Um, he like similar story to me, not van life wise, but like had a career in finance and like quit his job to start this guiding company and like follow his passion and be in the woods five days a week. He loves it. Um, so he's really fun to work for. And then there's a local nonprofit in Lancaster that's doing um, like climate change work. Uh, and so I've worked with them for a little over a year now. Um, and then other than that, it's like little projects here and there from different companies, organizations. Uh, every once in a while, I'll have like a published article in a magazine or, or somewhere. Um, but yeah, it's like a bunch of little things here and there. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to hear about your book that you'll write one day, Living in a Van Down by the Susquehanna <laughs> River. <laughs> or any river. I'm flexible. Yeah. Susque the Susky, I don't know. It's a, it's a special river. <laughs> 
All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Laura. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been awesome. You guys are great. And what's your what's your next race on your calendar? Um, the next like one for sure is the one in Utah. It's on November fourth. I think it's just like the Moab Trail Half Marathon. Nice. The USATF race. Super fun. Yeah. Eric, what are you doing this weekend? Mm, my last big weekend before my two hundred. Yep. Two weeks from this weekend. Yay. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, so I got to get a couple of good runs in. Right. What about you, Grace? Uh, Baker 50 miler. Oh, that's right. That's this weekend. Yeah, this weekend. Baker 50 milers this weekend and uh, Heiner Half is this weekend. You doing both? <laughs> no. <laughs> you ready for the 50? Yeah, I think so. Good. Fun. You'll do amazing. I hope so. We'll probably talk about it like, I don't know, maybe Monday. Okay. We can do that. Did you know it's my birthday? It, you know what? I wasn't sure. I, I thought I would ask if it yeah. was your birthday. Today. It's today. Today, today is your birthday? Yeah. Well, happy happy birthday. birthday, Eric. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. See you next Monday for another action-packed episode of Grace is Mean to Eric. <laughs> and Eric's own birthday. <laughs> yes. Thanks, everybody. Later. Bye.